we'll just get on with it then. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Your Little Sisters Productions Presents Missed Opportunities. I'm Taya. I'm. And today we are just going to have fun. We're going to talk a little bit about um, Frozen because we just cannot stop talking about Frozen. Uh, but before we get started, we just wanted to remind everybody that they can submit topics for us to discuss, quizzes for us to take, whatever you want us to do on our social media. We are on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. And uh, if you have any um, if you have any suggestions, uh, go ahead and send them to us, and we will definitely uh, give you a shout out here on the podcast. Maybe we also have a Patreon. Oh, sorry. We also, sorry, we also have a Patreon. You can check us out under Taya Joy Flake and just look for our uh, beautiful icon. Sorry, I have the baby with me. So you might occasionally hear some little coos and such. No oh, sometimes we'll hear you. Anyway, so my oldest daughter is completely and in every way obsessed with all things Frozen and Elsa and so I have been watching not like sit down and watching because I'll be honest usually when she's watching a movie during the day I put it on so I can go make lunch or dinner so I'm in the kitchen cooking while she's watching her movie of the day but I still, because especially because I have a nur- a baby that I nurse, I do sit down in the living room and I do see big chunks of it. So I've been watching a lot of Frozen and Frozen 2 lately. And I have <laughs> on the franchise. My One of my first things that it took me a few times watching it, and I, want, I wonder if you agree to I wonder how long it's been since you've seen Frozen. Do you remember? Um, it's been a while. Do you remember the opening song, The Men Cutting the Ice? Yes, I do. I am 100% convinced, and someone could correct me, but I'm 100% convinced that that song came when they were still thinking that the snow, they were going to follow the Snow Queen story in which the Snow Queen, a la Elsa, would be the villain. Because if you listen to the lyrics of that song and how everything's portrayed and whatnot, they say beware the frozen heart, but it's at, that's like one of the last lyrics. But watching the whole thing and everything, it does not come off to me like beware the frozen heart of that Anna gets necessarily, but beware the frozen heart of like an evil person. The ice is cold and it's powerful, stronger than a hundred men. I'm convinced that they had that song as a setup for when Snow Queen was going to be the villain, like in the original story. And it's such a really awful payoff that they didn't follow that story. I'm still upset they didn't follow that storyline. And so, I don't know Elsa and let it go and everything, but I, I like the opening song. And I wish they would have followed through on what I was foreshadowing and promising we would get. So for anybody that doesn't know, um, Frozen is based off of the Snow Queen, which was written by the same guy that wrote um, The Little Mermaid, and Hans Christian Andersen. And in it, um, Elsa is, I don't know if her name is actually Elsa in, 
in I just think she's known as the Snow Queen. I don't remember her name. So she is the evil one. She does actually turn bad, and she is. Um, oh. And they they planned on doing it that way. Disney planned on doing it that way. They had the script ready. However, when the song "Let It Go" was presented by the the music writers, um, I don't remember their names, but um, they presented the song "Let It Go." They changed their mind, and they were halfway through production. Um, and they changed their mind into making Elsa have a more of a redemption arc um, than actually completing the story as the Snow Queen. And they decided to make Hans the bad guy. Um, Which did through, not work. But... Halfway through the story. So so they did, in fact, switch gears. <laughs> to they, they, It was not originally like Hans was not meant to be the evil, the bad guy. He was meant to just not be in love with Anna and like you know um and so when Disney changed that they had to change a lot of things but you can tell by watching the movie they didn't change a lot of things and a lot of people love to bring up the fact that when um so when Hans and Anna meet um they like the horse uh keeps the boat from falling into the water by putting pressure on one side of it on the dock well then on a waves and the horse lets the boat up and hans falls and hans lifts up the boat looks at her and just has this smile of like sweet endearing he is smitten with her uh look on his face and they didn't delete that and turn it into ominous like hey he's thinking bad things or he's plotting something bad um which would be what you would normally do to foreshadow him being a bad guy anytime you have a plot twist the plot twist should always be something that the audience could have guessed um but didn't guess because when you go back and you look at it and be like oh yeah i could have seen this coming then it is really satisfying that you got duped you know like oh I didn't see you know like I didn't see it um but in this one they like you couldn't have seen it there's no possible way you could have known that Hans was lying throughout the entire movie because they did not foreshadow it at all and so I think it doesn't make sense well and I think the the reason why they leave the frozen hearts in the, the beginning song, which I love that beginning song, um, is actually because um, uh, it's sort of like the Hunchback of Notre Dame, who is the monster and who is the man. It's like, we all think the frozen heart is Elsa, but really the frozen heart is Hans. And <laughs> no. Yeah, it's- no. It's not satisfying because it's not presented that way. No, it's <laughs> but I think that's why they look powerful. Ice is cold. Ice will take you under. It's more powerful than a hundred men. It is you have to be aware of the frozen heart. And I am one hundred percent convinced that it was written about the Snow Queen. Now, I my daughter loves the song "Let It Go." It's super cute to hear her sing it. I don't have the best relationship with the song let it go because i worked with children right after frozen came out and i heard let it go non-stop for a very long time <laughs> so i got very i just got over it very quickly i kind of wish that they either found another use for the song somehow 
or they would have been like, hey, this is great. We're going to just change some lyrics, maybe use it for another Disney movie. I wish, I wish, I wish, especially halfway through production. By the way, why? what is a music writer doing presenting a new song halfway through production? I wish they would have kept to what was already laid out. I think it would have been a better movie because since Frozen, it has been, please correct me if I'm wrong, but have we had a Disney movie with like a clear cut villain? No, because everybody like the trend right now is gray, um, gray characters. You don't have good and bad. You have gray characters. Every villain uh, deserves a redemption arc, and there's Except no, Han. yeah. Well, he's Han does not have a redemption arc. He, but his actions. So many of his actions don't make sense. Sorry, we'll we'll get back to him. You were saying Disney movies don't have clear cut villains anymore. Well, they don't have anything that is traditionally Disney anymore. They don't have uh, love stories anymore, which we've talked about on here before. They don't have the the villain that can be defeated. You know, like I love Maleficent is one of my favorite because she was the mistress of all evil. She was evil for the sake of being evil because that, and that was compelling because that was who she was and she didn't get invited to a party yet. She's part of the royalty and she should have been invited to the party and it's like why would she be invited to the party and like I don't know I find so much more nuance in that than when they came out with the Maleficent live action movie that told her backstory and made her the good guy I like, didn't I, like that. I hated it I'm like this would be a really great story if it wasn't about Maleficent it has nothing to do with her it is like there's no reason for her to be evil there's no like excuse like the other people in that movie were the evil ones and then if you see Maleficent too it has absolutely nothing to do with Maleficent at all like <laughs> she's barely in the movie and and I and so I, I don't know I have a problem with them not having any bad guys uh, Moana doesn't have a bad guy uh like a real bad guy you know yeah. it's all just a misunderstanding and well, I feel like the bad guy Tomatoa but he's not the yeah he's not the bad guy he's just like a um, he's a bad antagonist. yeah, yeah like an antagonist and and that I don't know it bothers me because Frozen was the beginning of it when the, like mm -hmm. I don't think it's the only one that doesn't have a bad guy but it was so popular um and then they tried to follow that trend of not having a bad guy. Like, um, and Frozen was the beginning of it because right before it was Tangled, Tangled had a bad guy. She was evil. She was supposed to be evil and she gets her comeuppance, you know? And then um, Moana and Encanto doesn't really have a bad guy, you know? I do love and, Encanto, though. Right. But, and Moana. And, but, and, and we've talked about how I don't really like Moana very much, but I do like Encanto. I, but I think Encanto I like because I like all of the different songs and the different music, the storyline. I really could care less about, honestly. <laughs> like, it is a very character-driven movie. <laughs> um, whereas Frozen, and I think the thing that bothers me with Frozen is that it is completely plot-driven. Like, and the plot just is, doesn't... But, Hold but the plot doesn't make sense. Well. But you can't trust the characters because they have no clear-cut character arcs. Like Anna doesn't really have a character arc. Like her 
whole thing is that she wants to be social and she wants to have people around her and she wants to love her sister. Well, at the end of the movie, she wants to be social. She wants to have people around her and she wants to be with her sister. Like she doesn't grow or change. And then Elsa barely grows and changes. Um, and then um, they ruin it in the second movie. Like they completely destroy the little character arc that she has. And I say it's little because while it is very impactful to her, she doesn't actually change anything. She just changes one little mindset that it's okay to have powers. And like, that's all that really changes in her. And the only like, and, and that only happens because like her sister almost dies. And, and, you know, like, I don't know, it really doesn't come together very well. And so my thought is that Disney is um, exchanging entertainment. Like all of these movies are entertaining, but they are not like, they're not teaching morals. They're not teaching, you know, good versus evil. They're not teaching anything really. And so I feel like they kind of gave up the idea of, fairy tale like the point of fairy tales back in the day the point was to teach was to teach kids how to do something um to teach kids the importance of uh honesty or the importance of family or the importance of making the right choice and things like that like that's why people came up with fairy tales and disney has gone so far away from that to just be entertaining like encanto was entertaining moana was entertaining and the it seems like there's a moral to it it seems like there's a moral to frozen like oh you should you should trust yourself and you should be yourself but is that really what like what is the moral of frozen what is the point of frozen what was the point of the story in frozen the point of the story of frozen is nothing because it's so disjointed and i'm not gonna stop my i mean she my daughter's only three i'm not gonna like stop her from watching frozen because i think the the plot is a lot of stupid movies when i was a kid that i know my parents didn't like but they entertained me as you said and i think it's innocent enough that she wants to grab a wand and pretend that she's like, she pretends she's a fairy godmother from Cinderella, or she pretends she has ice powers, like Elsa. You know, she... Right. And yeah. she sees a snowman, it's Olaf. Every snowman is Olaf now. So, like, I think it's cute and, and innocent. That's fine. As she's older, I'm hoping that one day she'll look back on Frozen and be like, yeah, I liked it as a kid, but dang, the plot does not make sense because it doesn't Hans does not make sense as a bad guy none of his actions make sense if he wanted to eliminate Elsa he had the perfect opportunity in the ice palace the guys are trying to kill her he could have claimed that he was defending them and said he stands there and talks to her and says don't be the bad guy that they all think you are no shoot her if you're the if you're the bad guy and you want to eliminate Queen Elsa this is your chance to go after her while she's trying to kill other people and you would be justified in most people's minds because she was actively about to kill those two people well and even I don't know none of his actions made sense and and, and none of them. well and even him flipping on Anna when he did and the way that he did like even that doesn't 
work. Like it doesn't actually make sense because if he were this bad guy who was plotting to um, get his own throne and he wanted to marry Anna just so that he could take over, you know, get rid of Elsa eventually and get his own throne. If that was his motivation, why would he keep Elsa alive and let Anna die? Thank you. Like, it doesn't make sense. He had the perfect opportunity to save Anna. And if, like, he didn't need Anna to die, like, to become a king. Like, Anna was so incredibly naive and easy to control. He could have easily, like, been the king and had her as his queen. And he could have manipulated the crap out of her. Because that's what he's doing through the end. Like, we're supposed to believe that he was manipulating her the entire time. Obviously, she's manipulated. Like, she can be manipulated. So, there was no point in him revealing his plan at that point. There was no point in him letting her freeze. And there was no point in him letting her alone in the room while she froze. Rather than waiting for her to freeze. And then leaving the room and being like, look, everybody, my wife is dead. And, oh, by the way, we were married but not <laughs> legally. So it doesn't actually count because you have to have witnesses, even in Aaron Tale. Like you want me to believe that they could say their wedding vows without any legal documentation of it. Even though Elsa had to go out in front of certain people and hold the staff and ball, like, because it was tradition, those same people don't have a marriage like ceremony that has to take place for their royalty. Like, we're just supposed to buy that. So like, no, it doesn't make any sense at all. And while I don't think that Disney is uh, with their major motion pictures, a lot of the stuff that they have on Disney plus, I'm not a huge fan of, but I don't think they're teaching bad morals or anything like that. I just think that they have given up trying to tell stories that are meaningful and helpful for the sake of entertainment. Like they're just making entertaining movies and I don't think that anybody is really all that much better for having watched them. Whereas I feel like when you watch Cinderella, you, you learn like she was kind and she was nice to everybody and the animals helped her because she was so good to them. And you don't want to be like the evil stepsisters and tell people what to do and be bossy or be negative. You want to be nice and kind and helpful. And when you watch like sleeping beauty, sleeping beauty, people always talk about how she doesn't have any lines or she only has like 18 lines in her entire movie, but she was so like, loving and helpful that the woodland creatures spoke to her and she followed her dreams and she believed in something and she had goals and like they overlook that and say oh all the older disney princesses were so passive and i was like actually they weren't they were good like if you are good, good things will happen to you. If you are bad, like Maleficent was bad, she gets killed. <laughs> you know, like that was the that was the takeaway always. And then with Frozen, it's like, what is the takeaway? Well, if you freeze an entire town, feel sorry about it. The end. <laughs> you know, like that melts with love that was the biggest cop-out of writing i've ever well not the biggest actually we'll 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 talk about bigger ones later in another podcast 
but that was one of one of the biggest cop outs until we got to Frozen Two. Oh my gosh! Uh, okay, Frozen Two is. I like the music better in Frozen 2. I think part of it is because I wasn't working with children when it came out, just my child. And so I wasn't like surrounded by 40, 50, 60 kids all day singing every song from Frozen over and over and over again anymore. Yeah. That being said, I have had to hide a toy from that has a song from Frozen 2 that plays over and over again. So (laughs) I've had to hide it from her. It got to be a little much because she wouldn't stop playing it. Anyway, but I like the music a little bit better. The storyline makes no sense. And they they foreshadow. They don't even foreshadow. They straight up say, Arendelle must be... (laughs) The dam has to break and Arendelle must be flooded and overthrown in order to restore the balance. And they don't even do that. So I don't know if you have seen or if any of our audience has seen the documentary about the process of Frozen 2. You have told me extensively about it. So I feel like I have just through (laughs) you telling me. (laughs) I'll be honest. I don't know how many times I have ranted about this, but how how does some like how does a production company as huge like disney is the biggest production company in the world and they have one of the most popular movies in the world and like like they weeks weeks before they uh the movie was supposed to be coming out they still didn't have a script like, they didn't know who the voice was that was calling to her. They didn't That's know the who her voice was. That is the first thing. If, if I came to you, Taya, let's just pretend that Frozen 2 doesn't exist for a second. Hypothetically, Frozen 2 is not a thing. And I come to you and I say, I have this idea for a story that a person with magical powers is hearing a voice and she must follow it. What's the first question that you would ask me about that story? Who's the voice? <laughs> Because that is the entire drive of the someone or something is calling to Elsa. So therefore, your main protagonist, you have to know who or what that is, the reason, and then you build everything around that. It was the main focus of the story. Like it was the point of the story. And these and like so many people, even afterwards, so many people still don't understand that it was her mother. Like so like I told my sister that like I was like yeah they didn't even know who the voice was until like weeks before the movie opened and she's like and they like finally came up with it and they put it in there and she's like really because I'm still not clear on who the voice was (laughs) and she's you know she has a daughter right about like she she's like I've seen that movie like 12 times and I have no idea who the voice is and I was like yeah because they didn't know so the storyline didn't lead up to it there was no foreshadowing for it and it didn't make any sense. And so uh, it was so bad. And I I don't like the music very much. There's like the one song that Anna sings, The Next Right Thing. And I really like the, I think it's Panic at the Disco that covers. Um, it, yes, Into the Unknown. I like that version better. Um, he does rock. Because, 
yeah, because I like that version better is because um, I don't like the story. And I don't like the fact that Elsa makes the exact same mistakes again. And then instead of in the first one, we, you know, you kind of, the one tiny little bit of story arc that we get is that she is the love, you know, it's like the cop out. Oh, love will thaw everything. And then you have the people accepting her. And then in the second one, (laughs) she learns, she does the exact same thing and learns the opposite lesson. I need to leave all of my people and be alone. Like I need to abandon all of my responsibilities, pawn them off on my sister who has no idea how to be queen because she was never raised to be queen and has never shown any interest whatsoever in being queen. And I need to hide from all these people who finally love and accept me for who I am because I need to be with these other people who I have no idea who they are. And even though now we are supposed to be allies, I have to live with them, but really, I just have to live by myself. Like, how is that? How is that teaching anybody anything? How is that helping anybody like anyone who is struggling? Like, because like, one of the reasons why people love let it go so much is because so many people were struggling with who they are and like with their identity and with living up to their parents expectations or lack thereof. And so it really, um, it resonated with people. That's why the song was so popular. That's why they changed the entire movie was because people resonated with that song. And then the whole conclusion of that song, the whole point of that song, the whole point of the movie was that she was accepted for who she was. As soon as she let it go and showed people who she really was and actually um, allowed people in, they accepted her. And that was like the, the tiny little bit of moral that you could find in that first movie and then in the second movie they completely destroy it and they teach the opposite that oh even if people accept you you have to leave like you can't be with the people that you love or that the people that you you have to get rid of all of your responsibilities because uh, why why (laughs) like I just oh my gosh sorry I could rant on this movie forever because it's so frustrating to me that the characters like the characters in Frozen weren't even that well done and they were assassinated in the second movie and don't even get me started on Kristoff like oh sorry you can go now (laughs) (laughs) no you said a lot of what I was thinking I I really just dislike that Arendelle did not fall because I thought the point one of the points of the movie was going to be that Arendelle isn't just a place it's the people and now we can rebuild with the North Aldra who we had a conflict with earlier but it was a conflict born out of misunderstanding and so we're going to rebuild together and merge to you know which would have have fit with the with the first movie because all that happens in the first movie is because of a misunderstanding when the troll grandpappy guy tells them like um that fear is the worst thing for her and then they are like okay well we're gonna lock her up until she can control it but what they're doing is feeding into fear so Mm -hmm. it would have been a perfect like it like it was all through a misunderstanding so it would have been the perfect ending to have the the north Andral people and arendelle people build together and build roads that you know made their kingdoms closer and made things easier for them you know like working together to build 
people's houses again and it just like the fact that every movie by the way I don't really know the people of Arendelle because they keep leaving them in charge yeah. of other random oh anyone can just run a country we'll just leave them in charge of Hans who's 12th or 13th in line and so obviously he knows how to you know help run a country and then I'm going to leave them with the trolls in charge, which apparently they don't even know what trolls look like because in the first movie, Anna goes and they just see a bunch of rocks and they think Kristoff is crazy. By the way, there's so many times in the first Frozen movie when I wish Olaf wouldn't speak. And it's not because I think he's annoying. It's not any of that. It's because I think the moment would have been better if he didn't speak, like more poignant. For example, when Anna, they reach the Ice Palace and she's about to knock on the door to see. And she pauses and Olaf is talking. I'm like, no, I don't care how funny his ad-libbing or even the script was. If I was the director or the editor seeing that, I would not have Olaf speak right now. Let Anna have a moment of standing in front of a door about to knock in her whole life that she remembers has been closed to her and let her have the moment of it opening. And they ruin it with Olaf doing what you don't need to entertain children you do not need something funny every five seconds you don't need someone talking every five seconds children can understand deeper things than you think they can or they will learn to grow and understand different things because that's what they're being taught i really dislike it when people are like don't let children read above their reading level at school as long as it's appropriate for children there's nothing inappropriate in it it's still, you know, let children read above what you think that they'll understand. Let them try and learn new words. Let them sit there with a dictionary by them and look. That's how I learned a lot of my vocabulary growing up. That's how I learned to read context really well. Even if I don't understand a word, if I have context, I can, or not understand a word. If I don't know the definition of a word with context, I know it just because I would read everything in my house. We had bookcases, a whole wall of cases, and I was free to read literally any book off that bookcase. And I would read way above my reading level, way up, like I was 10 years old and reading Three Musketeers. You know, like you yeah. learn, <laughs> as I say, like, <laughs> but you learn. And I feel, I'm ranting about that because I feel like Disney, especially with, moments in movies that could be poignant instead go for entertainment instead of emotional intelligence yeah definitely they underestimate their audience and it drives me insane when people underestimate audiences as long as it's appropriate you have no reason to not let children try and learn something new i agree with that well, and I think that, that that used to be the point. Like I said, the reason for fairy tales was to teach children different lessons. And um, and I think that what we've gotten away from is, one, um, believing that children have emotional intelligence. Like, people um, put their kids in front of the TV to raise their kids, and then they complain that you know, the, the, the morals are not being, or like, they don't like what the morals are because like, why are you teaching my child this X, Y, and P? And I'm like, because you were supposed to um, teach your children. 
teaching children. We like, that's what stories are meant to do is like, like, I remember when my dad, when we would watch stuff, he would say, okay, well, what did we learn from that? Every book we read, every movie we watched, everything, like any TV show, like we always talked about what we learned from that. And, and my dad would always open the discussion, like who's right, like in this argument, like who's right, you know, and, and like, and I think that's one of the reasons why, like, I look at things from so many different angles and it's definitely helped me throughout my life, but I was always taught to look for morals in stories and, and we do it automatically. They've scientifically proven that people look for the meaning in things and they look like, like the same way that your brain will always look for faces in, in any type of abstract uh, design our body, like our brains will always look for faces. Our brains will also always listen for morals and what there's teaching them. And so when you are a little kid and somebody puts a story in front of you, you're going to connect the dots and it might be slow and it might be, you know, take some time, but eventually you are going to learn from that story. And what you learn from those stories will affect you the rest of your life. And if the stories, like if, if the stories are just there to be funny, then I know a lot of people who learned that they wouldn't be liked unless they were funny. And so they put so much of their personality into being funny because they thought that that meant that they would be liked. And um, like for me, I watched a lot of movies with sarcastic characters and my sister was sarcastic. And so I always thought, you know, if you want to be liked and you want to be popular, you have to be sarcastic. That's what, that's what, it, that's what you learn. Nobody taught me that, but that's what I saw in movies and things like that. And then I remember I had a teacher in high school say like, if you're a sarcastic person, you're probably not going to have that many friends. And I was like, what? <laughs> that is the opposite of what I, and then like I went and I talked to my like parents about it and they were like well yeah like you have but like you have to understand if you're going to be sarcastic and joking with someone they have to understand the joke and they have to you know know and I was like okay well yeah like I, I'm sarcastic but I'm sarcastic in a way and only with people that I know will understand I'm not trying to be mean to people in order. Like I, I don't use sarcasm as a way of insulting people. I just use it as a way to break tension or to clarify things and, and it works. And, but I always remember that, like, I learned that from watching, watching the movies that we watched and watching my sister, who's very sarcastic. Um, and then finding out like, um, the way that other people saw that. And it was like, um, you have to be careful with sarcasm because it, it can be very unkind. And my sister was not unkind. And the people in the TV shows that I watched, maybe they were unkind, but they had a whole story arc where they learned to be nicer, you know? Like, And so I don't think that I was doing anything wrong as far as being sarcastic, because I was taught to do it correctly, you know, and it's like, that's the balance that you have to come with when parenting is if you want, like, like, I know, like you said, like your daughter watches frozen and she's entertained by Elsa and she's learning the lessons. Um, but I know you, and I know like how much time your daughter is in front of the screen and it's not worrisome. It's not like you want the TV to just raise your daughter. You no. allow her to, yeah. Like you allow her to watch, uh, movies that you've seen and that you approve of and you spend a lot of time with your daughter 
And so I have no doubt as an outsider watching that situation of like, if your daughter ever had a question about like what the moral of Frozen was, or (laughs) like, like you would tell her and you would explain like, well, it's not that you should run away from all of your problems, (laughs) you know, like, cause that's not what we do, you know, or like, I, I don't know. I think that I don't expect Disney to teach morals to children, but I do expect there to like them to be responsible with the morals that they're putting into, because no matter, like, no matter, even if your daughter just watches the movie and never talks to you about it, she's going to learn from it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, you have to be responsible, like both parties, like the people who are making movies have to be responsible for what they're doing. And the parents have to be responsible for picking up any of the slack, you know, like I learned from movies to be sarcastic, but I also learned from my parents to be kind. And so I never crossed the line into being one of those sarcastic people that nobody could talk to. And that didn't have any friends because I was so, you know, awful or mean or something. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's people out there who are like, what are you talking about? You were super mean, but that wasn't because I was sarcastic. That was just because I was mean, but (laughs) sarcasm is not mean. The other commentary, however. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I it bothers me now when I see TV shows or when I see Disney movies that have no villain, they have no good versus evil, they have no, you know, be kind, be good, be smart, you know, be witty or be clever. Like they don't have any of those things in them that are teaching men and women and young children to be better people they're just there to entertain and um and then other people complain like oh what did disney teach our little kids they taught our girls to be passive and i was like no they didn't (laughs) i don't know what disney movies they were watching because I don't think, and you can tell me otherwise, I don't think I'm known as a passive person. I think I'm known as an agreeable person. I will not start up conflict, but I'm, I don't back down from my opinion or my beliefs. Well, okay, I, my opinion. I will hear people out, and if my opinion is changing based on what I'm hearing, facts and whatnot that support something different, I will, but I don't back down if I don't see that. Well, that's you know? the difference. Yeah, like that's just being open-minded. Like you can be open-minded yeah. about a subject, have an opinion, but be open-minded about something. Oh um, yeah, I, I have no problem admitting there are very few things in this life which I know I will never change my mind on. Very, very few. I'm not going to say them because let's not just start debates in our comments because people on the internet are... It's hard mm-hmm. to talk with people through comments. I prefer face-to-face. Well, we, yeah. So, yeah, I won't say what those beliefs, what those opinions are, but there's very, very, very few opinions in my life that I hold that I know I will never change because I have seen facts and evidence and statistics and blah, 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 supporting that, or I have lots of lived experiences that supports that opinion. But so while I'm an agreeable person, while I'm an open-minded person, I don't think I'm passive. Right. And I don't think that Disney taught you to be passive. No, like, and I watch them. My mom and loves like, 
the classic Disney movie. She her favorite is Cinderella, the classic animated Cinderella. I grew up watching all the Disney movies, even some that I despise. I do not like Bambi. I do not like The Fox and the Hound. I do not like Dumbo. I do well. I don't know about because I watched Pinocchio once and was like traumatized by something in it, and it scared me. So I never watched it again. So I don't know if I don't like Pin- Pinocchio, <laughs> but I watched. I think just about every Disney movie that came out because my mom loves especially the classic Disney movie Snow White and the Seven Dwarves you know all of those Sleeping Beauty she loves and I don't think I was taught to be passive from them well okay like my biggest issue with all of the critiques of the classics is that people don't actually watch the movie. And I have ranted about this on social media so many times. People don't watch the movie, especially Cinderella. Oh my gosh, I think I've ranted about this before, but I'm going to do it again. The prince never said or never went to look for her with the shoe. The prince was not the one who went to look for her with the shoe. He never saw her again after that night. The duke was the one who had to go around with the shoe. He was the only one that saw the maidens. And that was not the prince's idea. The prince said, I'm only going to marry the girl because his father was forcing him into marriage, just like Jasmine. Like he was being forced into marriage. He fell in love with uh, Cinderella when they were dancing together. She had no idea he was the prince. And he said, I'm only going to marry the girl that fits this glass slipper, thinking that that would mean like Cinderella. He was only going to marry the girl that he danced with. But the way he phrased it, his dad used against him <laughs> and said, um, you're going to marry the first girl that fits this glass slipper. So he sent the Duke and the Duke even says, but this slipper might uh, match any number of girls. And the king's like, that's his problem. And so <laughs> king sends the duke out to try the slipper on and because it's magical it doesn't fit anybody else and then it breaks and she has the other slipper like you have to watch the movie people and because i see so many people are like if he would have just remembered her face and it's like he didn't look at her face like he didn't go to the houses of all the people and try the shoe on it wasn't his idea like there are other versions of cinderella the Rogers and Hammerstein version where he meets her before he ball and he doesn't rec- like, and he doesn't recognize her. And then he tries to sh- those you can, you can comment on, but Disney fixed it. <laughs> like the Disney classic cartoon does not have that. Like the Prince Charming that is in the Disney movie never like came up with the plan to do the shoe thing that was his dad trying to get him on a technicality because his dad wanted to force him to to uh get married so that they would have grandchildren because he wanted to play with his grandchildren like that was it (laughs) like that is the entire plot of the story is driven by the king and so many people like are and then they and then they talk about how she's passive and like she rescued by a prince rescued by a prince she gets rescued by the mice and the only reason the mice rescue her is because she was good to them. She was kind. And her, those actions of being kind and good to all of the creatures, even um, Lucifer, who was mean to her constantly, she was still kind to him. And, like, all of that up to her getting uh, out of the, the attic room that she gets locked in and coming down the stairs and having the slipper. Like, all of that is because she was so 
kind and nice and willing to serve and willing to be there for all of the animals that were being mistreated by the stepmother and the stepsisters. They saved her, not because she was passive and couldn't save herself, but because she was so good, she was able to be rescued by people who are creatures that loved her. And so like that taught me, if I am kind and nice to others, they're going to help me when I need it. That's what I learned from Cinderella. You know, like, and she didn't go to meet the prince. Like she wanted to go to the ball because she thought it would be glamorous. She had no idea she danced with the prince. She had no idea that the guy that she was with was the prince. She didn't go, like, I see, like, memes of, like, she just wanted to go to a party and and be, like, she just wanted to meet the prince. And it's like, she thought she didn't get to meet the prince. She even says when she's running out, it's like, oh, uh, the prince, I haven't met the prince. And he's like, what are you talking about? Didn't you know? And then she runs away and drops her shoe and all the whole stuff happens. But anyway, I have to rant about Cinderella because I get, I still see it. And I'm like, watch the movie, people is not what disney did disney fixed all of those plot holes like i would say as much as i really really loved rogers and hammerstein cinderella because i love the music i think the music is fantastic it does bother me goes and actually is trying to shoe on people i'm like i think you remember her face you you met her at the very beginning the sweetest sound i've ever like that whole song i know i was off key don't come but <laughs> but like they sing that duet together they meet they have a whole conversation and he definitely remembers it and her not at the ball but after he sees her and he repeats the same line that he said the first time he met her in the beginning so he definitely remembers her face so i thought always thought it was weird that he's going around trying to shoe on all the people hi baby girl huh you're just smiling and then Another movie that it bothers me people talk about is The Little Mermaid. Oh, yeah. Because people are like, she gave up her voice and everything. Okay. I know she gave up her voice, but she had been obsessed with the human long before Prince Eric came along. She loved everything human. She happened to fall in love with a human, which makes sense because she was obsessed with everything human voice because she wanted the chance to go above ground above the sea on ground and be in that world and have the chance just a chance to meet the prince and have him fall in love with her back she also just had a very big big argument with her father which i'm not saying the bald be you have a really big argument with your parents run away absolutely not by the way i like that we see that titan triton <laughs> Her father has regrets. He doesn't know if what he's doing is the right thing as her dad. He does, you know, he's doing what he thinks is right and then afterwards is questioning, but is this really what she needs? Or I think that's very true to parenting. But going back to Ariel, yes, she gives up her voice. She still has a personality. She has a very big personality. She takes the reins over from Prince Eric when they're driving the carriage. And she looks under the carriage, takes, she jumps over a cliff or whatever. She yeah. has the funny scene at dinner time where she thinks the fork is and she blows the, what she thinks is a snarf flat and blows all the tobacco and ash into Grimsley's face and like 
personality. And she's not passive. She actively helps stand up to Ursula when she can. People always talk about how Eric saved her and she did nothing. Yes, she did. She literally kills lots of Jetsum. Like, she attacks her. Like, yes, she, she does pull, grabs her hair, pulls her head back, and saves forces Eric. Her, saves Eric. She goes after Ursula after Ursula, shrinks her father. Like, she is not a passive, like, oh, I'm so helpless, Eric. She and Eric work together. And that's what you should be teaching people is that when well, you're in a relationship or a friendship where, you know, it's not an enemy, you, you should work, learn to work together, have your strengths. Her strength is in the sea. And his strength, Eric's, is to be human. And he knows how to steer a boat. Yeah. And they work together. And I love that. And I think that a lot of people are like, oh, she gave up her voice. So women should be silent. What part of like who watches Little Mermaid and thought, oh, I should be silent and then guys will like me? No, the reason why he liked her was because she was like crazy and out there and thinking differently than him and showed him all these different things without her voice, like just by being herself. Like she was so true to herself and he fell in love with that. He fell in love with that over the memory of the girl that he, of her that he saw that he saw save him and was singing to him and then i like so I'll dispel that 100% if you are thinking that the point of little mermaid one is to disobey your father no she followed her dreams even though nobody else supported her and that's big and she showed her father that the right like the thing that was right for her and maybe she didn't go about it well but that was the whole point of like how ursula trapped her and that was the whole climax of the movie um and then uh her not talking did not stop her from being who she was and from showing her personality and that was what he fell in love with and then one other thing i saw the other day was like the fact that eric was going to marry Vanessa because she had the voice of Ariel. And I was like, no, he was going to marry Vanessa because he was under a spell. So they like, not see not- his eyes, how his spell gets broken <laughs> when the shell necklace yeah. Well, and then when, like, she's getting attacked on uh, during their wedding and, like, the, all of the guests and, like, Eric is just standing there. And then, like, you really think that this character would just be standing there while starfish were attacking his bride? No, he was literally under a spell. And then when the shell breaks, he's like, he, like, shakes his head and he's like, oh. And it's like, what part of, like, that was too subtle for you? Like, he was clearly (laughs) under a spell. Well, that and And here's another thing about Ariel with her voice. She... Either way, she was only going to be without her voice for three days. Either he was going to kiss her and she would get her voice back and be able to tell him everything and be able to talk as well as show her personality through her actions. Or she was going to turn back into a mermaid and then be... But the voice... I've been able to, to speak for longer than three days from things like laryngitis or strep throat really severe bronchitis sort of stuff do you think that stopped me from being me do you think that stopped people from like I started off my first like two to three weeks of being a voice major in college 
I was sitting and I couldn't sing. I had two cases of bronchitis back to back. And I had to sit like far edge of the choir, far away from everybody, but still kind of near the soprano section, just reading music and listening to it and memorizing it in my head because I couldn't sing. Do you think that stopped me from making friends, from being a voice major still, from doing anything? No. Like, three, almost everyone when they're sick. I don't think she would have gotten her voice back. Because the voice wasn't part of the deal. The voice was the payment for the deal. I thought it was if she kissed Eric or if Eric kissed her. If they kissed, she got her voice back. I personally thought that's the deal. No, I think because she says you can't get something for nothing. Like, um, I'll turn you into a human for three days. You got three days. And then when if he kisses you, you become a human permanently. Um, and then she talks about you can't get something for nothing. Like I want, like in order for me to do this deal with you, I need payment. And the payment was her voice. I totally thought, and I've watched this movie. So my, my daughter goes through phases where every two weeks or so, there's a new movie that's on repeat. You know, every day we have, that's the movie that is watched every day. And we went through a good two or three week period where, Little Mermaid was the movie that she watched every day while I was cooking and I've sat with her, her and her little sister before and watched it and I part of the deal was if she was going to become human permanently she got her voice back I totally let us know in the comments who's correct yeah <laughs> or what you think. maybe the movie doesn't specify exactly maybe it's just a, an assumption I made Maybe I don't. I've always thought that she would never get her voice back. But honestly, even if she never got her voice back, like as someone who is hard of hearing and people in the deaf community that I know that are not uh, that don't speak orally, like are you saying like they don't have any personality? Like they can't personality to someone who's hearing. Like no, if there's ever like a language barrier between you and someone else, like you can still show your personality and and be who you are like I don't know I people want to take the stupidest things and make them into reality without actually watching the show like it's like oh you think about the story of Cinderella and like yeah you're right that is weird that he saw her face and then just because her face is dirty he doesn't recognize her and it's like okay but you can't use that from the Disney version because the Disney version doesn't have that and then when they're like oh the little mermaid well she gave up her voice for a man and it's like no she gave up her voice for an opportunity to follow the dream that she's had since she was a little girl like she's always wanted to be a part of the world above her she's always been fascinated with humans that like you think that she just like she's only 16 years old do you think that chasm of stuff that she has she collected in like a year no that was a lifetime worth of stuff that she has collected she missed her like all of the rehearsals for that performance and she missed the performance at the very beginning of the movie because she was obsessed with there was a new ship there was new human things that she uh could find and learn about like she followed a dream that she had that's why she gave up her voice like she was willing to yes she wanted to be with the man which I personally don't believe is a bad thing like I think that love is something worth fighting for and 
if you are a man and you fall in love with a woman and it requires you to, you know, move, uh, a, like move yourself. I think that's perfectly fine. Like if that's what you want to do and you want to, um, prioritize a relationship, I have no hate for that. Just say it. Well, look at Aladdin, <laughs> like, look at Aladdin yeah. and Hercules. And I'm trying to think of other male led Disney movies. There's not a lot. <laughs> There's not a lot. I remember Aladdin and Hercules. <laughs> but but Aladdin yeah. and Hercules, they fall in love with, I mean, Hercules falls in love with Megan's death, quite literally, to well, save her. Like, he gives, a, like, his dream um, was to live with the gods, like, to rejoin yes. his father since he was a teenager. Like, that was his goal. Yep. And he gave that up for someone. Like, and yeah. I think that's beautiful. And if a woman had done that, I would have thought that people was beautiful be, too. But now, but the difference is, if a woman had done that, people would be mad because people, for some reason, there's this notion that men have it all, and so women must also need to have it all. And that's not true. If you want a high-paying career, like we're talking a really good lawyer, CEO, whatever, you're giving up and sacrificing so very much. You're working. 80 hour weeks you're not be able to go out with your friends a lot you're not going to be spending a whole lot of time with your family your life is going to be in the office man or woman right if you want if or vice versa flip it if you want to be at home like i'm currently at home with my kids i'm giving up going after certain things for a career or sometimes not going out with friends and I'm very lucky with a very supportive husband and family who sometimes like really need a break and need to go out I'm able to like 90 something percent of the time but I'm still giving up I'm sacrificing in some areas of my life for what I think is important to me so whatever is important to you you make sacrifices for the whole you can have it all doesn't make sense to me because no you can't you cannot have absolute Whatever you spend your time on, you're not spending time on something else. Whenever I'm sitting here crocheting, because I love to crochet, I'm not spending time singing. Whenever I'm singing, I'm not spending time cooking or cleaning. Or I, I, I would say spending time with my kids, but my daughter comes up and sings with me. So there's that. <laughs> but, you know, like whatever you're doing, you're not doing something else. You're giving up. You're sacrificing something. And that's not, and that's not a bad thing. Like, I think not so many all. people have have this FOMO, this expression of like, we have to, like, you have to have it all. You have to have a career and be a mom and like all of this stuff. And the fact of the matter is, is like, oh, well, men have been doing it for centuries. It's like, no, they haven't. Men have sacrificed time with their families. And the most men, like, I know it's not stereotypical in Hollywood, but if you actually talk with most men and like if you look at studies most men want families most men want to be fathers most men actually crave like monogamy and a faithful partner and they've proven time and time again that um that men are happier when they are married and so they're more successful too yeah in school and work And so if they want to spend, like, if so, if that's their goal, like they love being married, they want to be married, they want to have a family, they want to have kids, they want to be a dad. Every time that they go to work, they're sacrificing time with that goal. 
And the reason why they do that and why they've done that for centuries is because they have to provide. And, you know, like that's their role or whatever is because they have to provide for that family. Like in order to function, you know, in a society, you either have to go out and, you know, hunt for yourself or you have to have a job that pays bills, you know, that will buy the food, you know, like that's, and I don't care if the role is reversed and a woman goes out to work or whatever, whoever is out working is sacrificing time with their family. And if both parents are working, they're both sacrificing time with their family. And whether that's a good or bad thing, like you do you and you make your choices for your family, but recognize that every time that you are spending time with your family, you're not making money. And every time that you're out there working and making money, you're not spending time with your family and you have to find the balance in that. And like, that's like sacrificing something for a goal. Like if you have a career goal and you sacrifice time with your family and you achieve that goal, like that is an accomplishment. That's great. But you did have to sacrifice for it. And if you want to be a stay at home mom and have just your part or stay at home uh, father and have your partner work, you have to like, they have to have a good enough job to do that. And that's a sacrifice for them. And that's a sacrifice for you. And so it's like, the idea that Ariel sacrificed her voice and for a man or the fact that she left her family for a man, those are not in any way like horrible sacrifices that she gave up for a man. You know, like that is reality of everybody. Like you have to make sacrifices um, in order to have what the, to reach the goals that you want. Everybody has to make sacrifices to reach the goals that they want. Whether it's a high school student who wants to be on the honor roll, they have to give up, you know, nights with their friends and they have to study. And, you know, and if their priority is that they want to be popular, they're going to have to give up study time and their grades might suffer. And they might, you know, like whatever it is, whatever stage of life you're in, even if you're retired, like, you have to give up X amount of time to do this hobby or this, you know, like any stage of your life, you're going to have to make sacrifices for what you want and teaching little girls that uh, making sacrifices so that she can have the life that she has dreamed of since she was tiny is not a bad thing. Like teaching people that they have to make sacrifices is not a bad thing. And, and Um, I do, I agree with you that, um, it's nice to see a a parent who is struggling and wondering if he's doing the right thing. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. I, sorry, I'm ranting again, but I really believe that people need to understand that everything that all of the Disney movies princesses do like maybe they make mistakes i'm not saying like you should go out and sign a deal with you know the devil the you know ursula the sea witch or whatever um but what she did the fact that she was willing to sacrifice her voice for that world showed her father that she was committed to this and that was what she wanted and i think if she could have communicated that better without having to go to the sea, which sure, that would have been great, but it wouldn't have been as good as a story, you know? <laughs> um, and so, and, and at the end, it isn't Ursula's magic that makes her human. It isn't anything that she does. It's her father realizing 
how important something is to her. And he uses his magic to make her human and give her what she wanted. Like, they both grow in that movie. Her father grows. He has a character arc. Yeah. He thinks that what he's doing is protecting his child. And even then he doubts himself, like how he's doing it and he regrets it. And all he wants is her to come home. And then she is home, but she's miserable. And he sees that. And so he gives her what she wants. And I know there's a little memory sequel. We're going to like, just pretend it doesn't exist because I, they they live on the seaside. It's not like she's never going to see her dad and sisters or what or friends again. They literally live on the beach. Yeah, the castle is there. I'm pretty well, sure I'm like, she can see them for important events. And even in the sequel, I have seen. I watch rated sequels as much as possible. Just a life preservation technique tactic that I've developed over my life. But my daughter really, really wanted to see it. I, she just was pointing at it on the screen so much, so I did see part of it at the beginning. She does see her father the wall because Ursula's sister threatens them and it's ridiculous yeah. and stupid and blah 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 but it shows that she did have contact with her family so she wasn't giving up never seeing them like she wasn't like never gonna see them again she was simply getting married and moving away yeah and still seeing her family at events and such I feel like most people who get married move out with their somewhere not with their family and then arrange times to see their family yeah you know it's kind of a normal thing but oh i was gonna say something else about little mermaid and now i don't remember i was i was like while you were talking hold on to this thought hold on to this train of thought and now it's gone sorry i was like for a long time so liked everything you were saying I just I had something to add to it and now I can't remember and I think it's just you know mom brain it's a real thing it's gonna bug me now though I'm gonna remember it after after the podcast and (laughs) so I want to talk a little bit about Little Mermaid 2 because I thought a long time ago I I had it when I was little um I hated that Ariel does what she does in that movie. She builds the wall so that, and she tries to keep her daughter away. And she t- tells her daughter basically that mermaids don't exist and um, to keep her daughter out of the water, which is stupid. And it's a stupid following. But anyway, um, the thing that I love about that, to that movie though, is there are two characters that are hilarious. I don't even remember. There's a penguin and a walrus, and they are so yeah. funny, and they have a really cute song. And that, like, is if you only watch like their song and like the things that they say, really great movie. Don't pay attention <laughs> to the aerial stuff. Don't pay attention to the melody stuff. Like, just, just lots of. I don't remember a whole lot about the story other than um, it came out of nowhere, and it really didn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, Ursula has a sister, but the sister she's bad at magic. Here. I remember. Yeah, and so she threatened Melody, and then went somewhere where uh, Ariel's dad could never find her. And so they built the wall and tried to do everything to keep Melody. It was basically like Ariel is repeating her father's mistakes in parenting. 
Yeah, exactly. Keep her daughter away from her dream of being in the ocean and all this kind of stuff. And I just feel like if you were, hey, there's a sea witch out there and she wants to get you. So whenever you go on the ocean, granddad king of the ocean is going to be there with you because who's going to be able to go up against him, you know? Yeah. Sure, so he well, would I- like to come and show for his granddaughter around the ocean. I don't know. I know he's busy as a king. Spare any time. It was just I watched the whole thing again. Usually these these movies are on while I'm cooking, but I knew I Little Mermaid two didn't have anything in it that I was opposed against. And my mom had watched it with my daughter, like sat down and watched the whole thing with my daughter before. That's how she knew of it. My mom won't put it on for her when she was babysitting. So my mom had approved of it, so it was fine. So I haven't seen the whole thing, but what I did see was. Yeah, I wasn't impressed. But my daughter wanted me to do her hair for like two weeks straight, and my daughter hates me touching her hair, so that was a win for me. <laughs> yeah, I got her hair in a ponytail <laughs> for two weeks. <laughs> yeah, I do. I I I don't know. That is one of the sequels where it's like, well, that was a stupid plot, but it's it was a, like direct home movie sequel where they're teaching animators uh, how to animate, kind of like return of jafar you know like it wasn't it wasn't necessary like it's canon but it's not necessarily like um meant to be like a part of the disney classic series like it, it wouldn't be in there you know so yeah. I, I i but i do remember like the penguin every time they <laughs> screw up like the penguin is always another brilliant plan perfectly executed and i love that i think it's so funny <laughs> I do, so I do think my least favorite is Mulan 2. Probably because Mulan is my favorite Disney movie, so seeing it have such a horrible sequel really graded me. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I Well, maybe not. I know there's some pretty bad ones out there. But... I've only seen... I know I've seen Lion King too a bunch of times when I was a kid. I didn't like watching the first Lion King as much as the sequel because it made me sad when Mufasa died. Lion King, don't get me wrong, but I watched the sequel more. Well, and I think the problem with Lion King too is the same with Little Mermaid too. Is that it's them yeah. repeating their parents' mistakes. Absolutely. I don't really like that trope very much. Like, let them make their own mistakes. You know. Yeah. Especially when it, Ariel's case, she saw the, and knew firsthand the negative effects of her father, so she can make different mistakes with her daughter. But yeah. I have to use the bathroom, so if you want to talk for a minute or two while I'm in the bathroom, I'll be right back. Well, we can probably close well, up right now. It's past time. Or we can close up. Okay, so that's our rant. It started off with Frozen, but it kind of went all over the place with Disney. But I think it shows what Disney used to be they've become, and they have some movies that we like, like Encanto. We like Encanto. But I think we can both agree we kind of miss the classic fairy tale. There's a love story in there. There's a bad guy. You know, it's clear good versus evil. Give our good our protagonists clear dragons to fight they don't have to be a literal dragon but it's a a phrase give them clear dragons to fight and to overcome 
Yeah. Because it, there's going to be real challenges and bad things that happen that our children are going to have to face. And we want them to have examples of people overcoming those things. And not every bad guy is going to be able, you're going to be able to sit down and talk with them and they're going to be, oh, I'm sorry for all those things I did. Never mind. Let's kiss and make up. You know, it's, there are going to be some cases where you're just going to have to face bad or evil and be able to overcome and have resilience. Right. So that's my two cents on it. And that's why I really, we can talk Frozen later again, honestly, because there's so many things we could go into with Frozen. <laughs> and so many I know. There's, I so many there's so many aspects of Frozen that we take issue with that we could connect to so many other Disney and everything. So, um, but again, everybody, please um, check out our social media. Be sure to comment on our YouTube, our Instagram, or our Facebook, and let us know what topics you want us to do. We will definitely get to them. And um, if you want to support our podcast or our YouTube channel, you can go to Flake slash or Patreon.com slash Flake and click on either one of the um, tiers with the uh, Your Little Sisters Productions icon on it. It's a beautiful tree done by Sean Smith <laughs> that was formatted by Jessica Otley. Um, and so definitely check us out on Patreon, check us out on social media. Let us know what you want us to do. We forgot to do the segments that we just talked about. (laughs) Oh, yes. Okay. Before we go, we are going to do really quick, just like one to two sentence, one to two sentence segments. I wanted to give a recommendation. I thought it'd be cool if we recommended a book, movie, TV show, et cetera, for people to watch today because we talked about fairy tales and the lessons we teach and everything and we already ta- did a podcast on it and you've already re- heard me recommend it but this is my official recommendation go pick up a copy of the book ella enchanted and any other book by that author whose name i'm forgetting but i usually remember she also wrote a book called oh my gosh i forgot what it's called she takes fairy tales and she um he does them so you can the outline is still the same but she redoes them and they have great moral stories gail carson levine that's her name go check out literally any book by her they're all fantastic gail carson levine awesome great recommendation and then i just wanted to give storytelling uh tidbits so i am a storyteller laura's a storyteller and um some of the greatest advice that we have given we just wanted to share and um (laughs) So the first thing, the first tidbit that I wanted to share is about dialogue. Um, I, I love writing dialogue and we've talked about that on this, on this podcast before of how I really like, really like dialogue. Um, The best advice that I ever got about writing dialogue and something that I always try to um, think about is, um, and if you can't do it in your head, you try and do it out loud or have other people do it, but is to read the, 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 um, the dialogue uh, in the voice of the character. And so if your character doesn't have a voice, they're going to have a generic sort of uh, voice and that makes your dialogue very generic you have a voice for that character whether you hear it in your head like I hear the voice in my head like I see it like I kind of see it on a movie screen (laughs) that's how my mind works if your mind doesn't work that way don't feel like you can't use this advice you still can um you can say it out loud or have um 
go online and do like voice um voice augmentation or have like edit out loud or anything like that have other people do it but um if you can't imagine that that voice person's voice um like i do like on a movie then it really does help you not just differentiate the 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 dialogue from one character to another but it helps you come up with the dialogue it helps you like what would this character say and when you have that voice of that character what they're like whatever it is that you're trying to convey saying it in their voice is so much easier um most of the time my first draft I write everybody kind of in generic voices um and so I know what I want the characters to convey um and then once I have a grasp of what the character's voice I'll change that sentence mean the same thing but it will have their flair in it in their voice something that nobody else would say it this way but this character definitely would so that is my advice for writing is making sure that each character has their own voice whether you <laughs> and um once you can hear it in your own head you will be able to come up with it um so that is my storytelling tidbit on how to write dialogue. And then <clears throat> I think that is everything. And then next week we will have another storytelling tidbit, another recommendation. Um, anything else, Laura? My baby is crying, so it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody, so much. And uh, we will be here next time i don't know we'll see you next time doesn't seem right we'll be here next time uh, my name is taya my name's laura bye, bye.